Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me today to look back on a rather eventful draw at Doncaster Rovers on Saturday are our Argyle experts Chris Errington, Jack Ball and Baron Cross. Hi guys. Hello. Morning Stu. Hi Stu. Chris, Jack, mm-hmm. you were both there on Saturday. Um, before we get on to the Darren Ferguson comments, let's mm-hmm. have a chat about the game itself because it's been overlooked a little bit really. Chris? Yes. Good, and good point. Yeah, I, I think you know Darren Ferguson clearly wanted to make these points about the referee. If you were a, a cynic, you would say it was a good way of distracting people from his team's poor performance because um, they were 1-0 up at half-time. Argyle didn't really cause them any problems in the first half and that, from a Doncaster point of view, was a game they should have gone on and won fairly easily on that first-half performance. But um, they, were, they were poor second half. Um, Argyle improved. You know, I'm not dismissing that Argyle improved and played better. They got on the front foot. They got the full-backs forward. Uh, they stopped the Doncaster wing-backs from getting forward and, and played some good stuff, created chances. Anthony Sarsavik had two or three really good opportunities. Ryan Taylor, Argyle looked a threat from set pieces. They certainly deserved the equaliser they got from Ryan Edwards in the 74th minute. They had good opportunities after that to have got, got a second goal. And then obviously there was the penalty incident at the end, you know, which uh, could have seen them losing the game. So all in all... Looking at the bigger picture, a point away from home against a, a decent Doncaster team who perhaps weren't at their best on Saturday, not a bad result really. No, and Jack, you notice a different type of Argyle really to the one that you saw at Blackpool in the second half. Yeah, it was almost the complete opposite. Me and Chris were talking on the way home, you know, against Blackpool, Argyle started brightly and Blackpool came out in the second half, all guns firing, and, and they were they were the ones that most would have gone on to win the game had the game been played longer. But for Doncaster, it was the other way around, you know, Argyle made a, a slow start, Jamie Ness took a little while to get up to speed, which is understandable, given he hadn't played a game for a very long time. Um, and Doncaster were the better team, and at half-time you're thinking, oh, I'm not, I don't think, oh, I don't see how I can get anything from this, especially their record of not coming back from going a goal down. But in the second half, it, it was a totally different game, and like I said, it was total opposite to Blackpool. Argyle came up firing, and as Chris mentioned, Sarsovic had a few good chances, and if any team were going to get the three points, if the game went on for another 10-15 minutes, it would only have been Argyle. Yeah, and Baron, I guess that's imperative for Argyle right now, trying to win the home games, and anything they pick up away from home park is a bit of a bonus right now. Yeah, um, Chris made a good point in his post-match video at uh, Keepmate Stadium that who would have thought it that a, f- a few weeks ago, a few months ago, we'd have said that um, a 1-1 draw at Doncaster would have been seen as a bit of a disappointment, yeah. and despite the fact it's keeping that unbeaten run going. So you're absolutely right, Stuart. I think if you look at it in context and they're quite sort of sensible about it, drawing your away games, winning your home games, you're not going to go far wrong. No, that's right. Uh, who stood out for you guys then? Any individuals particularly that, that caught the eye? Uh, I gave Sonny Bradley my, my man of the match in, in the ratings and I thought, you know, he, he's, he's on a good run of form at the moment. He's, he's playing really well. He's really strong. He's solid. Um, I thought he, he and, and Ryan Edwards did, did a good job with John Marquis and um, it was unusual for Argyle to concede the goal the way they did. It's not often you see the opposition literally play their way through the, through the middle of the team. 
But that one blemish apart uh, and, and one lapse from Ryan Edwards where Randy <coughs> Matthews had to make a good one-on-one save, I, I thought Argyle defended really well. So, you know, Bradley's um, is in good form. He's involved in the penalty incident, which we can talk about in a bit. Um, but I thought he played well. I thought Jamie Ness, considering he'd been out for so long, you know, came through the 90 minutes. He seemed to get actually stronger as the game went on. Um, so I thought that was encouraging for him to come back in. Um, a little bit of a surprise that he was thrown straight back in. I think, you know, I thought uh, the manager would go with Jan Songo, but, you know, I can see why he went with Jamie Ness because he, he's perhaps more of a like-for-like replacement for Diego Raga than Jan Songo, who's, who's a defensive player. Yeah. But Jamie Ness has got the ability in his game to get forward, drive forward from midfield. And uh, we spoke to him after the game and, um, you know, we were talking about replacing Diego Raga and how he felt about it and um, we joke that it's big shoes to fill big <laughs> shoes in terms of the level of performance but also big shoes literally yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, but you know he's aware that Diego Raga's impressed the fans and everyone were really impressed with him and um, I think he's hoping he's got 18 games or Argyle have got 18 games this season I think he's hoping that he might get an opportunity short term, long term try and prove that he should stay in that team and, and, and carry on in that central midfield three. Yeah, Jack, do you see him as a long-term replacement for Diego Raga? Or, or well, we all pretty impressed. When he had that little spell in the team back in end of September, start of October, we were all pretty impressed, mm. I think, with, with, with his contribution when he came in because obviously he suffered injury in pre-season. For Jamie Ness, it's just about trying to keep fit, isn't it? He's had injury troubles this season and if you're looking to try and cement a place in the team and try and stay at Argyle going forward, you know, after this season, he needs to run a games. Otherwise... It's going to look like he's going to be looking for a new club in the summer if he's not if he doesn't keep his fitness. But he, he did well. Chris is right. You know, I think in the first half you really noticed mm. the, the, the missing Diogo Raga. But in the second half, Jim Ness sort of got caught up the pace a bit more and he got more into the game. But you asked who stood out for me, Sarsovic. He needs to work on his shooting. There's no getting away from that. But it's so encouraging to see him getting some of the good positions that he's got into recently. And Lionel Wainsworth as well, when he came off the bench, made an impact. And when you bring subs off in those types of games, you look for them to make an impact. And they've mm. started doing that recently. So again, that's quite impressive. Yeah, and Chris, you mentioned to me uh, off air a minute ago about Ainsworth as a potential... Well, if, if they're going to play this sort of 4-3-3, which clearly is working quite well at the moment, Ainsworth is that option alongside Taylor and Carey if Lemirez doesn't continue to perform as he has done. And uh, Lemirez has done really well since he's come into the team. I don't think he was at his best... In, in the first half on Saturday, uh, none of the Argyle players were, to be fair. He got subbed um, and they brought Ainsworth on. And when you play that 4-3-3, Ainsworth can play on the right of, the, of that front three. Mm-hmm. And it, with his pace, he can really make those runs down between centre-backs and, and full-backs. He created a great chance for Anthony Sarsavik in, in that where he got in behind the Doncaster defence, cut the ball back to Sarsavik, and he had a, a shot well saved by the Doncaster keeper, Ian Lawler. So... Um, yeah, Ainsworth didn't do himself any harm at all. And we talked about uh, talked to Derek Adams about Ainsworth after the game, and he made the point that he he'd been really impressive in training Ainsworth Thursday and Friday, and he said that was why he was the first sub, not Jervis or Grant. He said he'd done so well in training on mm. Thursday and Friday that when I was going to make the change, he was the one. So it just shows you that what the thinking that goes into substitutions and it's a good sign, isn't yeah. it? Ainsworth is remaining motivated. Like yeah, he's never no, had a fair crack of it this season. No, but he's, he's still pulling trees up in training. He's been in and out, and the manager made the point. He was the first sub because he'd been really good in training on Thursday and Friday. I remember you at the start of the season, Baron, doing podcasts, and he was the one player that really impressed you in pre-season. Yeah, so. he looked very, very good. I mean, and when, when you speak to him as well, he just loves being a pro yeah. footballer, doesn't he? He's, he's great he's, to speak he's to. A brilliant guy. Yeah. I mean, when I spoke to him pre-season when he first arrived at his first interview with the Herald and. 
he was brilliant to talk to, really, really refreshing guy to speak with. Um, he's had a lot of experience, he's had a lot of clubs, yeah. he's done a lot in the game, and I think he, he really just, just wants to settle down, I think. I think he's fed up of taking his family around the country and wants to settle down and make a go of things. And if he's still, you know, what we're in now, we're in January, and, mm. he's, and he's still going training with that fresh outlook and mm. looking to impress Derek Adams, despite the fact he's had no real opportunities up to now. Yeah. So I think I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I wasn't at the game on Saturday, but but I think Ainsworth's pace is always going to work in any kind of formation. But if he can complement Carey and Taylor, then mm. it, it's competition for places, isn't it? Lemiris knows that he can't rest on his laurels if he's got Ainsworth breathing down his neck. No, I'm not advocating replacing Lemiris just yet because he's, he's he's done yes. well, and I, I think you know it'd be unfair to sort of one not quite so good game and, and changing. But Ainsworth is right on his on his toes now. Mm. If he's if he's not on his game in the next few. <clears throat> Ainsworth's there and it's always nice to have an impact sub that you can throw yes. on with 20 minutes half an hour to go isn't it you know yeah, most opposition managers mention Ainsworth when you talk to them they do talk about Ainsworth's pace off the bench they are aware of it and one final note worth, worth noting is again how good I'll go away from set pieces they're two free kicks one which went in from um, Graham Carey that Sonny Bradley headed and it was cleared off the line and then obviously the goal that, that Edwards scored and after the game in amongst all the other stuff he said Darren Ferguson said they've only conceded one goal from set a set piece this season and very few last season so it's no mean feat that they managed to have one shot yeah. hit off a line and then got the, the, the goal, even though Dan Bugs wasn't particularly happy yeah. with that. It was a good finish as well, to be fair, wasn't it? From Not bad finish from a descent back. No, exactly, exactly. Right then, uh, the Darren Ferguson comments. Obviously, it's uh, pretty well known what he said, but just to remind everybody, uh, before we go on and, and speak about his comments, let's just have a reminder of uh, exactly what he said. I think it's disgusting. Well, I saw you confront the, the officials yeah, on the pitch. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting the standard of referee in there, and of all, all officials, to not see that is 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 a disgrace. So will it be a complaint going in from you? Well, it doesn't matter because we'll get a letter on probably next week some stage. We'll get an apology. So we got a letter after the Oxford game. We apologise that we played an extra minute of injury time, and we apologise that we gave a penalty that was clearly outside the box. But the referee that referees that game is refereeing again at the weekend. We'll get another apology because when they look at it, they'll say, "Oh, it was a blatant penalty and it was a blatant foul." But they'll referee again at the weekend. The part-time, the standards are appalling. The fitness levels are a disgrace. It's absolutely bad enough of it. It's disgusting the referees at the standard at this level. So, what would you do? To what stop can that? I do? What would you like to see the FA Shoot do? Shoot them. A good idea. So there we go. Uh, a few comments from uh, some of our listeners. Gary Palmer, would Mr Ferguson have wanted to kill the match officials had the penalty decision gone against Argyle in Doncaster's box? Me thinks not. Mm. And Terry Gregory, I am a Plymouth Argyle fan and we saw many games at home park where the referees have been bad. I do agree with Ferguson in a way. The standard is very poor. Um, asked what he would like the FA to do to referees. As you said, he wants them to be shot, basically. Uh, he then came out yesterday and, and claimed it was tongue-in-cheek when he uh, issued his apology. <sighs> Chris, mm. what, do you, what do you make of this whole referee should be shot? That way he's, he's clearly gone too far. I think it, it's a shame that he went on and said that because he did have some valid points to make. Mm. Um, certainly points that are worth discussing. Um, certainly points that the FA need to have a look into. Um, the, the fitness issue about referees, I'm, I'm not so sure... The referees aren't fit enough, um, but the, the well, standard. Can we come on and talk about yeah. that in a minute? The, yeah. The shooting, the shooting of the referee. I mean, he's, he's, he said it was tongue in cheek. Yeah. No. Well, whether it was in tongue, in, tongue in cheek or not, you can't say that. And uh, he's gone too far, and he'll 
suffer the consequences. The uh, a statement was a clarification statement was put out early on Sunday morning. Clearly, Doncaster Rovers felt they needed to be proactive in responding to the criticism that uh, that that particular comment had made. So he's gone too far. Like I said, my, my point would be he had some good points and some fair points. Yeah. But by saying that last bit. It's completely overshadowed the point that presumably he wanted to make. Yeah, Jack, you were actually in on the yeah, press conference, yeah. weren't you? I mean, you were swing gobsmacked by what you were hearing. Well, I remember my journalist hat on. When you, when you hear managers saying things, you straight away think that's a good story, that's a good line. And I think everyone in the room sort of looked around each other and were thinking exactly the really? same thing. Um, but like you said, I was there. I don't think it was tongue-in-cheek. Now, we all know he wasn't being serious and literally saying that referees should be shot, but there were, there were no laughs afterwards. He was saying it out of anger. Yeah. There was, I, I wouldn't regard that as a tongue-in-cheek comment. Now, clearly he wasn't being serious. But again, it's it totally distracts from, from the points of the game, but it's a stupid comment to make. I just don't think in this day and age that joking about anything, violent or not, is a smart thing to do. And, you know, you're going to offend people. And the, as far as I'm concerned, the, the FA have to make an example of this because where do you draw the line if he doesn't get punished? Another manager come out to the next week and say people should be stabbed. You can't, you can't make jokes about these types of things, regardless of whether he's classed as tongue-in-cheek or not. Yeah, I mean, Baron, you and I were working yesterday and mm-hmm. we're dealing with the fallout. What, mm-hmm. what did you make of it when you first heard of this comment? It was amazing, really. I mean, the first time I heard of it was, was Jack had sent me a message on Saturday evening and, and had said, um, you posted the link, didn't mm-hmm. you, and, uh, mm-hmm. on, on Facebook for us. And um, I think the fact that, that Jack had gone and done the story straight after the match was normally we'd say the Sunday morning showed how, um, how good the story was. So, um when I read them, and it, the, the shooting comment doesn't come until like the fourth or fifth part of that, no. but and you get through the first three parts, and God, this is strong stuff, yes, and it yeah. just keeps getting stronger and stronger. <laughs> and it was just, it, it was an incredible body of quotes that you come yeah. out with, um, and, and it's easy to make a comparison with his dad, isn't it? But I mean, he, he's a fiery Scot, and he's come out, and he shouldn't have said it at all, and it's, um, it's phenomenal that, that that sort of self-checker in his head has not said, don't say that. You know, you can be strong. I mean, we hear managers being talking in very strong terms about, about referees most weeks in, in all divisions. Yeah. But you know there's some phrases you don't come out with. It was yeah. incredible that he'd said it. I'm sure, you know, did he regret it? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you the club probably, probably told him, you know, we need to put something out yeah. whether you like it or not. But, I mean, given the type of bloke he is, I mean, he's, he's a very proud man. And I, th- I, I suppose he's... Maybe would would retract the shooting comments, but I think he's still very very fierce in, mm. uh, in what he was saying. He believes he was speaking the truth, as he said. He said, you know, I'm, I'm speaking the truth, didn't I? And yeah. he was when he was asked, you know, what are you worried about repercussions from your comments? And I think part of him had forgotten he had said the shooting them part because he didn't really he didn't really refer to that again. But I said to Chris on the way back in the car, you know, certain managers might want to make a name for themselves, and he's happy to take a fine on the chin. He's happy yeah. to mm. even take a few games ban possibly because. I think some managers that are outspoken and more likely to go further in their career there may be some that are very softly spoken and don't say things yeah. like that. And as you rightly said, Chris, he did make some really valid points mm. in what he said initially. Mm. Let's break it down a little bit then. Yeah. Standard of refereeing, he said, was absolutely disgusting. Now, you guys go to League One games mm. week in, week out. Is that something you agree with? Uh, I'm not sure I'd say absolutely disgusting, but it's definitely mixed. And you're never quite sure from one week to the next what you're going to get. Um, so I do think there is an issue over the standard of refereeing. It's just um, it's quickly worth pointing out that he mentioned in the com- in, in, in the conference he gave afterwards that in the Oxford game prior to this, yeah. they had a penalty. Oxford given a penalty yeah. and it should have been a free kick, and he had had received a letter from the FA apologising for that and apologising for playing an extra minute than they should have done. So that was obviously still very fresh in his mind, and I think that played a big part in his comments after the game that he had two games in a row where he felt poor refereeing and led to his team losing points. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he just, I don't think his comments on Saturday were just purely based on Saturday's no, game. No, 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 I think it sounds as though Doncaster have had a few incidents before that, and this was a culmination of that and. 
he finally sort of uh, lost his rag and wanted to make a point. Um, I've seen some good referees. I've seen some pretty poor referees this season. Um, it's a real mixed bag. And, um, you know, prof- you know, professional referees, you know, they have them in the Premier League. There's an awful lot of money swirling around in football. You know, don't need one professional players and, and fans deserve to have professional referees taking charge of games. I, I, I think that's a very, a very fair point. Fitness... I'm not so sure. Um, I, I can't say. I often sit there and think, "Oh, that referee's not keeping up with play or whatever like that." You can you can pick out odd incidents, but I think a referee, you know, who's reasonably fit, should be able to run a diagonal from one penalty box to the other and keep doing that for 90 minutes. So I'm not so sure fitness is the issue, but I think application of rules, consistency of, of rules, um, you know, the, the, the management of players. Things like that definitely could be uh, definitely could be. Improved. Do you remember the one um, the other week when um, uh, was it Kettle that had all the pl- all the players were having a drink, weren't they? Mm-hmm. And Kessel had actually blown yes. for Matthews to take the goal kick or yes. free kick. Yeah. And Fox was the only yes. one on the pitch. He was. And was yeah. beyond the halfway line saying, "Give it to me. It's me versus the goalie." <laughs> yeah. And it was just this farcical scene where all yeah. of these players are throwing their bottles and chasing after David Fox, and Fox's eyes were almost lighting up. <laughs> and Kettle's like, "No, no, no. I might have been that. Take yeah. it back." But I think it was the application yeah. he'd blown. Yeah, yeah I, I think it was, he, it was ridiculous. I think he's unaware that David Fox was there. Yeah, and, and David Fox has seen his goal and, bonus there yeah, in front of him. All, all, all the Argyle fans were shouting at Remy Matthews yeah. to play the ball to, uh, to David Fox, and as soon as he did, the referee blew up. So, yeah, um, I'm not sure absolutely disgusting, but Darren Ferguson's in the heat at the moment and, and what have you. But the standard of referee def, def, definitely needs to be looked at and addressed. Mm. And I hope that by saying what he said, you know, it is oh, that's that bit's overlooked. I think the FA do need to, if they do take action against Dan Ferguson, they should also be prepared to take on board the the, the comments he made about and it. see it as being constructive as yes, well. Because although yeah. it is an outburst, there yeah. is, as you say, there's a yeah. lot of truth in what he's yeah. saying. Yeah. Moving on to the fitness aspect of it, then, Jack, do you think the fitness levels are a disgrace? It does surprise me sometimes when I see some referees and they're in their 40s and they've got a bit of a pot belly. That does surprise me. I don't mean that in an offensive way, but you're running on a picture of a load of athletes. I can understand why some might get frustrated at that. But they're not full-time pros. No, they're not no, full-time exactly, athletes, exactly. are they? So they've blaming... got nine-to-five jobs during yeah. the week. So I'm not blaming them for that, but but I can understand why some people might take you know might take something against that. But then, as Chris said, there's, there's, prim- there's full-time referees in the Premier League, and if you mm. watch a match of the day, they'll be criticised all day long. You know, these full-time professional referees are, are not free from criticism. But what I would say is, if the FA did make them full-time, then you're giving the teams the best chance. You know, you're making everyone as professional as possible to try and make mistakes less often. So I think, again, like Chris said, there's definitely a lot of good things he said in there. And I, and I think it's right. You know, referees often aren't allowed to be criticised, and I don't agree with that necessarily. I think everyone else in football has to be, uh, you know, you have to give reasons for your mm. actions and whatnot. And, the, level, the lack of what they can say about referees, I don't agree with. Obviously, now this time, folks went a bit too far. But if a referee had a bad game, I think managers should be able to come out and say that. I don't see any problem with that. Now, obviously, he was very strong in what he said this time. Yeah. But that's his view. And, I, and one of the points he made in the press conference is, they're going to find me what for speaking the truth. And that's, now again, taking the shoot me comments out of it, he feels the levels aren't good enough. Mm. And he said, if they're going to find me speaking the truth, then maybe it's about time they looked at the referees rather than all the managers that keep saying these same comments over and over again week after week. I think that's the issue, isn't it? It's that shooting the, the referees. Mm. That's what's going to get him the fine, not yeah. necessarily what yeah. what he said. But, but, but people have had fines before for just criticising mm. strongly. They, they, you know, loads of managers have, criti- have had fines for criticising and not said anything about shooting or any violent, you know, violent comments. So 
and, I, and he had takes issue with that, and I do, I, I understand that, I do agree with yeah. that. And it's such a perilous industry, isn't it, Baron? You know, mm. we know what pressures managers are under. That they've got. I mean, we saw with Lucchetti today, yeah. eight games and he's gone. Yeah. You know, if, if these referees and decisions they make are so influential, aren't they? exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah I think, and that's that's what, it, that's what Ferguson's anger comes down to is that he's putting all that work in from from a Saturday to a Saturday, preparing for a match, and in his mind, it's all undone by this one man on the pitch who is deciding the ebb and flow of this match. Mm. And I think that, that's where the frustration comes from. They put all this work in and it, and it all comes, it means nothing if the referee doesn't apply the law in the way they think it should be applied. So you can understand the frustration. You shouldn't have made the comments that you did, but there, there is a lot of anger towards referees and, and, and you can see why sometimes. And another yeah. part of his press conference that's gone overlooked a bit is he claimed that the linesman was laughing about the decision yeah. after the game. And again... The FA need to look at that because that's and it'll be overtaken by the shoot me the shoot them comments. That, but, that would really. But, but he, if you saw them laughing about it, that would. Yeah. Really and he did. He rushed up as soon as as soon as the whistle was blown, as you'd expect from a fiery yeah. Scott like Ferguson. He went straight up to the officials and he was saying, you know, that he was laughing about it and, and saying, well, it's my decision, etc., hmm. etc. Et and again, it's that my, needs to be looked at. Yeah, I think the referee said it's my it was my well, opinion yeah, and it's my opinion that counts. Yes, exactly. So along those lines. Because again. All of these little bits, you can understand why he's so frustrated. Yeah. And obviously, he's gone a bit too far, but you, you piece it together and you sort of understand why he was so angry after the game. Yeah. And as we say, Ferguson insists that he he is true with uh, what he said and finding him would be wrong and that the FA need to address the problem as opposed to finding him. So if the FA are going to address the problem, what solutions are they, have they got to come up with? What, what can be done to improve? Make them professional. I think if you make them professionals, you... I think you, it's the only way to go, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and you're also removing one of the excuses, criticisms... You frustrate that, can't you? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, if, if they're you're professional referees, you know, that's an easy... The referee, you, if you're going to have a go at the referee, he's not fit, he's not a professional. We've got professional players, we train every day. You know, why are we being officiated by people who are not doing the same mm-hmm. thing? If you make professional referees, and obviously there's an expense involved in that, but like I say, there's, there's a lot of money in football. A, there is a lot of money in football. And, but you and, can have sponsorship deals and things like that for referees, couldn't you, where you can get even more money coming into the game to fund you it? You could do, and I, I never like a situation where like Premier League has Premier full time referees, yeah. and it has VAR, mm-hmm. and it has this, and it has that. Yeah. And yet League One, which is two levels below and is a full-time professional league with big crowds and big clubs, you don't have, you're not allowed to have VAR and you're not allowed to have professional referees. You're seen as yeah. second-class citizens. Mm. I think that is bad for professional football. Yeah. So if you're going to have professional referees, have them across the board. Yeah. And then, yes, there's an expense. But you know you can't tell me there's not enough money in football in the FA. Yeah, there's not enough money to fund the amount of professional mm. referees that you'd need to cover the 92 teams, 46 games each week. And it tells yeah. everyone, it tells all the managers that you are taking this seriously. You are taking this level of football seriously, which gets good crowds compared yeah. to the rest of Europe. Yeah. You know the crowds you get in League One, League Two level aren't bad. And professional referees make mistakes. Professional referees are going to anger managers, but you take out that that why you're battering them and saying they're not fit they're not full-time you know it, you know they are as professional as the players and then it, it does come down to opinions then doesn't it yeah, things like that. Does, yeah. the other thing yeah. we discussed in the car back and chris made a suggestion is that referees never have to come out and give comment on why they made certain decisions yeah, and that could possibly that. help and chris yeah. you had a suggestion about possibly rather than having 20 reporters going <coughs> against them and almost trying to reel them in and trying to criticise them, you suggested just having maybe one that would go and speak to them. I think you can have one Paul reporter whose job was to go and speak to a referee and you wouldn't sit and have a five, ten minute chat, but if there was an incident in the game that needed clarification, like the penalty incident, and you say to the referee, 
Um, what was your view of that incident? Why did you give that decision? Thank you very much. And at least we then know what the referee's yeah. seen and why yeah. he's given the decision or not given the decision the way he has done. He's not getting harangued by loads of journalists who are wanting to ask follow-up questions. You'd have to have guidelines. I don't think it'd be fair to put a referee you know, under the spotlight of no, 20 no. people haranguing them about one particular a couple of incidents. But it's almost just getting a statement from them, isn't it? And, and they could leave it at that. They could just say, all mm. referees have to do is answer these two questions. Mm. You know, Why did you give that mm. decision? And I think it would do referees favours as well yeah. because... We all know what Darren Ferguson feels about the penalty incident and about you know how, bits and pieces. But why did the referee and the match officials not give that decision? Um, and just thought, but I, I think a poor reporter could go down, speak to the referee, and then come back and then tell the rest yeah. of the media this is what he said, this is his answers, and then we can pass that on to the fans, and then at least we know where everyone's coming from. Where everyone's coming from, absolutely. Yeah. Whether it'll happen or not, I, I don't know. No, and obviously the uh, the comments have now been passed on to the FA via PGMOL. Um, what do you see happening to Ferguson next? For, for me, I, I feel it should be a touchline ban. I don't think you can advocate saying anything like shoot them in this day and age where there is some of the atrocities that go on in the world, in this country, terrorism, all that sort of thing. And I, I know it's taking it to an extreme, but just saying things like that when, the, you know, it's you're a role model at the end of the day and you've got children, you've got all sorts of people looking up to you and, and listening to your comments and taking what you say and, and to make a throwaway comment like that, I don't think sends out a good signal. And I, again, if, if the FA make an example, you can stop other managers from saying that down the line or anything remotely similar. Because you can be as angry as you want after the game, but part of you, as Baron said earlier, in your head, part of you should know that's unacceptable no matter how angry you are. Venue got a touchline ban, didn't he, for going to Mike Dean's office and gesticulating with him in the, in the wrong way, they said. So although this isn't directly at the referee, Ferguson did come on the pitch yeah. after the match. We don't know what was said there. I mean, God knows what he said to his face. And then he goes into the press conference and, and makes it even worse. So... I think Wenger set a very recent precedent for, for what, what constitutes a touchline ban. So I think, I think Jack's right, you're looking at two or three matches away from the touchline. Yeah, Chris? Yeah, heavy What's fine, fine and or touchline ban, I think. I mean, I, I, I sympathise with his frustration, but he, he, he went too far. Yeah. And you can't, you can't condone it and, and, and make it seem acceptable for, for other managers to say something similar in a, in a similar situation. Yeah, I'll leave the final word to a comment we had from uh, Callum Kuzner on this subject. He said, I do not condone the comments that Darren said in his interview. However, he does highlight some key issues yeah. surrounding referees that I think are clear to see from any fan of the lower leagues. We pay good money to watch professional footballers each week, so surely it cannot be right for a part-time referee to be in charge of these highly stakes league matches. I know football is, not, is a game of opinions and what one person may deem as a foul, some, somebody else may not. And I can accept referees are going to make mistakes, but they are increasingly affecting the outcomes of games more and more. I think he's kind of hit the nail Some on the head there. Very well, yeah. Yeah. Very well, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to disagree with that, so, Callum. So moving on then, guys, obviously the transfer window is open. We're almost halfway through it now. And, uh, it's crazy, still, isn't it? Yeah, it's flown by. Still only the one incoming at Home Park with Remy Matthews. Um, there's a little bit of speculation yesterday of Ryan Taylor perhaps going to Bradford. Um, obviously, it sounds like he's out of contract at the end of the season, Chris. Yeah. Um, Probably just agent talk, do you think, or any oh, truth in that? It's, it's, it's difficult to tell. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was interest. Um, he's, well, from that, he's from that neck of the woods. Mm. He's playing well. Um, I suspect we, we don't get told too much on contract lengths of Argyle players, but you know, having signed last January, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out of contract this summer. Mm. Um, so um, a good chance to get his name in the in the spotlight. Um, but no, I wouldn't be surprised if it's interesting, Ryan Taylor. I think you know he's he's played very well since he returned from injury. But from an Argyle point of view, you know he's a 
key player mm. to the way they play. They've, uh, you know, Shifty's gone, Fletcher's out on loan, Bissett's going oh, somewhere. Yeah. You know, they're, they're needing to add strikers, not lose strikers. So, mm-hmm. um, well, we'll, we'll not say that one, but, um, you know, there's a, there's a difference, I suppose, between interest and actually following things up. But um, never say never in football, you know, no. if, um, you know if, if clubs are interested in players, things can, can happen. There's, there's two respected journalists that have come up with that line mm. in, in the north of the country, and yeah. I think they wouldn't put out yeah. rubbish. So I think I think they would, like Chris says, there'll be interest yes. in whether that's actually whether it yeah. gets followed up. Let's a formal offer or not. We yeah. don't know. The thing yeah. is, if I was Derek Adams, I'd much rather lose him in the summer for free and stay in League One than possibly sell him for a cheap amount of money if his contract's up in the summer and lose him now and possibly find it hard to replace him as he has done so yeah, far yeah. and end up going down so, to League Two as a result. Somebody brought this up the other day to me that we, we're looking at all the, the incomings and stuff, but we're forgetting mm-hmm. that a lot of these players that signed contracts mm-hmm. a year yeah. ago, 18 months ago, people like Sonny Bradley, they're out of contracts yeah. this summer. Yeah. And we're in this awful place again where. January, I mean, a bit like um, Purrington almost, not January, if somebody comes in late with a decent six-figure bid for someone yes. like Sonny Bradley, yep. Adam's hand might be forced, because if Sonny Bradley goes in and says, I'm not signing in the, in the summer, mm. you've got to sell him. So, I mean, mm. it's easy to lose to lose focus on the players we've currently got and, and getting them tied down to new contracts. Because well, we've seen exactly that with Arsenal and Sanchez, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, exactly, exactly, that's exactly sums of what I'm trying to say, is yeah. that there are a lot of good players that now are in form, mm. teams are going to start looking at them. And yeah. I mean, there, there, there could be the argument that it is just agent talk, and his agents now starting to say, oh yeah, you know, there to are clubs interested. Exactly. Yeah. And force our goal to come out and say, well, no, we want to keep your eye on it. Here's a new contract for the next. And that's sometimes, the way, or, that's or sometimes the way it works. But uh, from from what we know, I think there is, is interest there. Yeah. And there's there's people that are respected people mm. who are suggesting that there's interest. So mm. I, I don't doubt that. Um, Bradford have got Charlie White, who's a very good striker that they paid quite a lot of money for recently, and uh, and, and things like that. But um, yeah, if, if if you're doing well in League One and having good results and good performances, your players are going to get going to get noticed. You know, Diego Argo yeah, exactly. got noticed because you know Argo were doing well. You know, um, so yeah, I mean Argo won't want to lose Ryan Taylor, but Beryl makes a very good point. You know, this is the problem with the transfer window. You know. January the 30th, if somebody phones you up yeah. and says it's six-figure sum for one of your players who who's, out contract, in the, who's yeah. out contract in the summer, what are you going to do then? That's just it's not it's an easy one. Thing, Especially with Ryan Taylor, it's, it's, it's so different, I think, to any other player because you saw how Argos struggled without him at the start of the season mm. and Derek Adams has so far proved that he can't find a striker that's good enough to fill that role. Mm. So if he's sold on the last day, he's probably not going to find someone good enough to come in and, and I really do, do think that League, League 2 could be a lot of a stronger possibility if we lost him on the last day. It, yeah. it must be difficult being a manager because you're, you're trying to bring in players and strengthen your squad but all the time you've got that worry in the back, back of your mind what happens if somebody phones me and says they're making a bid for mm-hmm. so-and-so? It's... You know, you, as a manager, they must be so glad oh, when it gets to February, February the first. Turn their phone off, don't they? Last three days, they don't want to know. Get to February the first, and they thank goodness for that. I know what I've got now. I think the interesting thing in this transfer window so far is just how quiet it's been in terms of incomings at Argyle. I mean, we've not heard any rumblings of anything really, have we? It's been very quiet, hasn't yeah. it? I mean, Derek Adams does keep his cards close to his chest. He works with certain people, agent-wise, and things like that, who uh, seem to be fairly discreet. Um, you would, wouldn't be surprised if players from Scotland uh, maybe surface and, and uh, you know that that maybe goes under the radar a little bit. But no, it, it's very quiet. It's mm. very quiet. Um, Although so, very, so, very so changes, changes, it? Yeah, you, you suggested yesterday that Argyle could back. No, don't know if there's any truth in it at all. But you were mentioning Simon Church's name again. Yeah, there's there's nothing at all from Argyle. Suggest they are interesting in, but I think if you look at Simon Church, he's not played as much as he wanted to at Scunthorpe. Mm. Graham Alexander's admitted that. 
Church is one of those who, a bit like Jaguarga, is, is going to be out of contract this month, which gives him the option to go elsewhere. And I think if Adams liked enough to bring him in for training early in the season, I actually made an offer to him. Church is, is that much fitter now. He's, a, he's had three or four months, no real problems from what we understand. He's been fit for selection. So mm. if Adams was interested then, why wouldn't he be interested in an yeah. international striker now for free? We've, we've just discussed how, how bare the market is, especially yeah. for free signing. So it's an option, isn't it, at the very least? I mean... It's one where you can join the dots and it sort of makes sense, it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, practically it would make sense. We don't yeah. know more than that. Um, moving away from the transfers then, um, Wigan on Saturday, followed by Oldham, Blackburn and Shrewsbury. Where can you see our goal season going from here? It's almost the defining point of the season, really. If they can pick up a few points from those four games, then why not make the playoffs? Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting oh, one. Can you imagine taking nine or ten points from those four? It's a tough yeah, run, though. That's, it's a tough, be said. that's a tough run. I think after those four games, we'll have a better idea of where our goal season's going in terms of whether it's purely staying up, whether it's trying to finish in a nice mid-table position, or if everything went extremely well, maybe more than that. But um, uh, that's a tough run of games, isn't it? Yeah. You know, Wigan um, at home this Saturday. They've just um, signed James Vaughan as well. They've just signed James Vaughan. They've got Nick Powell there already. They've got lots of really good players. Um, uh, Jack and I were up at uh, the DW Stadium earlier in the season. For me, they were the best team I've ever played this season. Um, they were they were very impressive. They've got a strong bench as well. Mm. You know that's a sign mm. of any good team at any level, isn't it? When you look at their bench, I think crikey, they've got match winning. Well, as I say, I was looking at their form last week. They're averaging two goals a game, and they've just gone out and signed James Vaughan. Yeah, I mean, it's so so Wigan's a tough one. Oldham the following Saturday. Oldham are one place above the relegation zone at the moment, so that clearly will be an important game where you want to keep the distance between you and Oldham. And Richard Wilm will undoubtedly want revenge after that 4-1 jobbing at Oak yeah. Park, because yeah. that's still going to be very recent in the memory. Yeah, Blackburn true. at home, Blackburn have, after a slow start. It's the same Wigan test, isn't it? Have, have got through. And then Shrewsbury, I think to a lot of people's surprise, are, are maintaining pretty good form and yeah. staying mm. right up there. So you're playing first, third and second in the next four games. That's a tough run of games. Yeah. You know, and... I do think once once we get through that, you'll have 14 games to go. You'll have played virtually all of the top teams in the division, and then you'll have an idea of of what direction Argyll are going in. But a good test. I mean, Wigan, you know, is going to be extremely difficult. Paul Cook is a good manager. We know that from his time at Portsmouth. Uh, they're playing well. They're scoring goals. They've got good players. The only thing you'd say is that Argyll are unbeaten in eight. They're playing with confidence. Yeah. If they yeah. play like they did in the second half against Doncaster, get in the front foot if they can. I mean. Clearly there will be spells where, where Wigan are on top and dominate. They've got quality players. But the way Argyle have been playing over the last eight games, you, you're not going to go into it and think they've got no chance. Especially with their home record. Is it five wins in a row? Five wins in a row. No, they, you, know, you know, big crowd turn up, get behind the team. It's the top of the table. You know, that always is a motivation, isn't it? To try and take the scale yeah. of the top of the table team. Um, it should be a good game. Well, I, think, I was just sorry. I think for me, one of the important things about Argyle not getting the equaliser against Doncaster, not, not only was it for the points, is the fact that it keeps that unbeaten run going, going yeah. into a very tough period. And and one other thing to note is Peter Reid will probably be coming back for Wigan, um, which you know a lot of fans will be looking yeah, forward to seeing. Course. And we don't know if anything will be done yet, but it'll be interesting if the fans will give him a good welcome if he, if he gets a chance. Yeah, indeed. So what would be a, a reasonable points haul from those four Ooh. games. I'll put you on the spot with that one, Barry. Barry's good at these must-win <laughs> games. Oldham's the most winnable, isn't it? So, yeah. I mean, but it's away, I, I but it's away from home. So well, yeah. that, that sort of, that, that tempers that expectation. So, I mean, it, you've got four matches there. I, I think, oh, probably get it, I'm going to get killed for this, aren't I? But I think if, if you took <laughs> four <laughs> points... I think four points would be... Four or five, maybe? I think that would be very respectable. Because they are... 
you could have a go at Shrewsbury, but Wigan and Blackburn are very, very good, and they're both in cracking form. And you've just said they're strengthening all the time. So I think if you got if you took four or five across the four matches, yeah, I'd be happy with that. So where's the win coming from? <laughs> Oldham's the one you. you I mean, Oldham. the way I got to play away from home. I mean, if if, if Ams can do a job there, like Chris says, Oldham are struggling. Owen Doyle's not playing. Davis is their only real outlet for goals. You keep yeah. him quiet. You've got a chance there. Yeah. If they can get four points, then they're virtually on the 40 mark, and then you know you, you want to try and get through the 40s to yeah. get to your 50. Once you get to 50, 50 is then, a safety point, isn't it? Once you get to 50, then you're you're feeling a bit more comfortable about things. It's, it's mm. a tough it's a tough run of games, um, and you know, I, yeah, four points maybe from those, but they are playing well. They're confident. Yeah. Confidence is such a massive mm, thing. We've, we've spoken about this in the podcast when Argyle was struggling, mm. and and you can just feel, you know, you can just feel when you talk to the players that there's a, you know, there was much more of a positive mood about things. So I wouldn't write them off. I mean, the, no. the, Wigan, the Wigan game will be a really good test. You know, they've, they've come a long way since October, haven't they? Mm. Um, but the Wigan game will be a test because I, I think Wigan will go on and win the League One, and, and they're a good team with a good manager. So if, if Argyle could get anything from that game, I think that's a really positive thing. I think we may see Songa in that game. <clears throat> yes. I think Songa may get a bit of use in his <clears throat> next four. Yeah. But, you know, they beat Charlton at home, so there's no reason why they can't Absolutely beat right. And also, they, they recorded good results. I mean, Wigan, it was they, they played quite well against me. They defended yeah. very well. And, um, and Blackburn, they got a draw at Blackburn. You know, the, the stranger things have happened. And I just think that they've got so much character in the team now, which we saw in the second half against Doncaster, and we've seen quite a lot this season. There's so much more visible character that there was at the start of the season and I, I don't think Wigan and Blackburn will be coming to home park confident of a, an easy an easy afternoon no. well they'll know as you say that five wins in a row Argyle are going to be flying at home really and high Paul confidence Cook, Paul Cook especially will know that there's that about Derek well. Adams. Yeah. yeah exactly right well thanks ever so much guys for joining me on the podcast that's all we've got time for this week and thanks to you out there for listening we'll be back again next week with more of the same we are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening. Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nugget burger of Sunday voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Woo!